Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast with John Stolmus and Brandon Lee Gallup? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode 79. I'm John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Well, folks, we are finally here. It's an actual preview show for a regular season game that counts here in the year of our Lord 2019. Eagles versus the Washington football team coming up on Sunday afternoon. Eagles big favorites in this one. We're going to break it all down for you. We're going to give you our NFL predictions for this year, our division winners, wild card Super Bowl participants. We'll give you some picks for week one and uh, tell you how we think the Eagles will end up the season this year. And joining me to do that, as he does every week, is the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he forever reign, Brandon Lee Gouton. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Gouton. BLG, week one is finally here, buddy. It is back. Football is back. Philadelphia Eagles football is back, John. We're back in regular season mode. It's great. It's great. No more dead zone. No more pretend football games. No more practices that half the world can't see. We're going to actually all see this team play on Sunday afternoon. So we're going to break it down from all angles. And and by the way, make sure to check out BleedingGreenNation.com because all of the content is there for you to possibly want. I mean, if you want to get caught up on everything revolving around this team leading up to the, the season opener. It's all right there, so make sure to check it out. Everybody's putting up a ton of content on BleedingGreenNation.com. But before we jump into Eagles versus Washington here at BLG, a couple of just housekeeping things from around the NFL this past week. Uh, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about uh, the Ezekiel Elliott contract extension. I know Mike and Ben discussed it on the latest KNS show uh, that dropped earlier this week, but I figured it would be a good opportunity for us to chat about it real quick. Ezekiel Elliott, of course, signed the six-year $90 million extension. That's 90 American million dollars. Man, oh, man, that's a lot of money for a running back, BLG. He's great. He is undoubtedly great. And I don't. I just don't think the Cowboys had a choice here. I mean, obviously he has two years left on his original deal, but it doesn't seem like he was ready to play this season unless they redid this. What do you think about the contract? I think the Cowboys were in a classic lose-lose situation with Ezekiel Elliott. I think it's clear that they are better with him in the short term. Obviously, if he was missing games for them, that would be a big problem, uh, even though their schedule early in the year isn't too difficult. But, you know, they're they're clearly a team that is built through running the football. Like, that's their offensive identity. Dak Prescott is clearly much better when... Ezekiel Elliott is in the lineup as opposed to when he's not. So I think the Cowboys didn't really have a choice here. But when you look at like the long-term ramifications of this deal, is paying a running back who has over a 1,000 touches in the past three seasons combined and has off-field character concern issues, is that really a smart thing? Uh, is that something the Eagles would do? The Eagles being a Super Bowl winning, you know, analytical, smart organization. Do you see the smart teams doing this, paying big money to a running back like this? I don't I don't think so. Um, so I, I really don't think the Cowboys were in a good spot here. I think it was kind of damned if they do and damned if they didn't here. And ultimately, I think they would have been smart not to pay him. Uh, it would have been a short-term sacrifice. It would have been the smarter long-term play. 
but they did not do that. They were trapped because they're going to have to pay Dak Prescott. And we're going to talk about the Jared Goff extension here in just a second. But in order for Dak Prescott to be good and come close to the money that they're going to have to pay him, he needs Ezekiel Elliott on the field with him. And he needs a happy Ezekiel Elliott on the field with him. If Zeke wasn't getting paid this season and had to go through two more seasons on his rookie deal, he wasn't going to be a happy camper. And I would have thought that would affect his play on the field, and that's going to make Dak Prescott worse. So in order for Dak Prescott to be worth the money that they're probably going to have to pay them, they also had to pay Ezekiel Elliott. And that's kind of what sucks when the running back is the best player on your offense. Yeah, and then just going to getting into the golf thing here um, Mm -hmm. and looking at where Dak is now and the Cowboys are, they're in a situation where, I mean, if you're Dak Prescott's agent, why are you taking less money than what Carson Wentz and Jared Goff got? Like, Aren't you in the position where... You can line up those stats that Cowboys fans love to, to trot out there that don't include the time, context of how like Goff and Carson Wentz had like nothing to work with in their first rookie seasons, whereas Dak Prescott had a great supporting cast and also had a very much outlier season as a rookie uh, and therefore boost his total stats and kind of make him look a little better than he really is. In any case, like don't you think Dak Prescott's agent is, and Dak Prescott himself are like bringing those numbers to the table? And being yeah. like, hey, look, this is the price you need to pay for me. Especially because like I was making nothing, relatively speaking. Like right. he was a huge bargain for them the past couple of years as a fourth round pick, making like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars as opposed to, you know, sorry for the siren. They're coming the for background. you, BLG. I mean, They're coming that's, for that's you. That's the Cowboys trying to, you know, get in here and, and uh, <laughs> shut my takes down from, you know, telling the truth. They can't, they can't stop me. And uh yeah, so I think the Cowboys are in a bad because Really, I didn't think the Rams were going to get this done. Like, I thought they were going to wait. That all indications were the Rams are like, we're going to wait to pay Goff, but they didn't. And I feel like they're in a worse, the Cowboys now are a worse position because Goff got paid, Wentz got paid, and the market's been set. Like, they have to pay that price, if not more. I mean, you're thinking it's, it's at very least right around those numbers. So I think the Cowboys are kind of in a bad spot having now to wait so long to get this DAC contract extension done. Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated dropped a little nugget on us this week, too, talking about the Melvin Gordon trade market. Uh, He was talking about some of the offers, or really only one offer, that the Chargers got for a Melvin Gordon, and that would be from Philadelphia and Howie Roseman. In that deal, uh, pardon me, Breer reports that Jordan Howard would have gone to L.A., the teams would have swapped mid-round picks, and the Chargers would eat salary. Uh, for Melvin Gordon, and obviously the Rams said no. But what does that tell you about how the Eagles feel about their running back situation? And what is the most that you would have given up for Melvin Gordon? Yeah, so there's a lot of different like layers to this. I, I to answer your last question first here, but probably what the Eagles offered honestly is about what I would give up for Melvin Gordon. You're you're not giving up big assets for that kind of guy um, who's in a contract year and really who's holding out still because he wants to be paid. What does trading him to the Eagles solve for him if he doesn't get a new contract? You know what I mean? I think he probably has to come back at some point. So he's in a spot where he will play eventually. But it's just this kind of report isn't so much about like the Eagles being interested in Melvin Gordon. Like, I don't think that's the main takeaway as much as it is like Howie Roseman just checks in on everything and makes an offer on any kind of thing that's out there. um, Because why not? And uh, if you can throw out a deal that's not too much and you you can land it somehow then great like you win and if you can't well you checked in and you, you saw what you could do now 
this trade proposal has some interesting implications for the current team. I think it shows you that the Eagles certainly weren't feeling like enamored with Jordan Howard a ton or otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be just so willing to give him up. I also think it fits the idea that we've talked about, like Jordan Howard clearly isn't in the long-term plans of this team. You know, he's a free agent after this year. But I I think it's also interesting though, because I think some people are like, well, they're trading, you know, Jordan Howard. That must mean they're really into Miles Sanders. And I agree with that to some extent. But also, if you're trading for Melvin Gordon, you know, what does that say? Yeah. Like, it's like he's going to play. Like, he's not going to not play if you're trading for him. I don't think it's like this super negative reflection on uh, Miles Sanders. But it's kind of funny to me because people I thought were kind of framing it as this super negative thing for Jordan Howard, which I don't think it's great for him. But like you can't just sit back and say it's also like amazing for Miles Sanders. Like it's it's, it's actually great for him because I, I don't think it would be. I think it's a nice thing to think about. I think Gordon and Sanders, Darren Sproles and Corey Clement is one heck of a backfield. It'd be a nice little thing you have going for a year there. But to me, like I, it's not going to happen. Like I don't see the Eagles increasing their offer. I think it's just kind of like they checked in. Um, I forget who said this, but someone said it well. I think it might have been Jeff McLean where he was like, you know, there's probably so many offers like this that get made, you know, by NFL teams throughout the season um, that like just never see the light of day because they're just not like they don't even come close to being finalized because it's just their fantasy football trades. Yeah, exactly. So it's just (laughs) like, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff like this happens. It's probably not that out of the usual. We'll see what happens, though, during the course of the regular season. If Howard is unproductive or if there's an injury in the backfield, you might see them make a trade like they did for Jay Ajayi in the middle of the season. Uh, But if you're only getting half a season out of a player like Melvin Gordon, you're probably not giving up as much as you offered here, which is obviously less than what L.A. was looking for. So you're right. It's probably a no-go. But it's interesting. Howie Roseman always likes to turn over every rock and see if he can find a bargain there and you never know how desperate a team is until you give them a call. Maybe they're more desperate than they let on in public. So uh, definitely it was an interesting report. I don't think it says a whole lot. You know, I think it says they know that Jordan Howard is going to be there for them. He's going to be okay. I, th- I see him filling a, a LeGarrett blunt type role in this offense, but nothing a whole lot more than that, but they don't need a whole lot more than that from him because I think everybody is super duper high on Miles Sanders and, there's a little bit of a worry about the crushing weight of expectations for a rookie running back. But uh, I think Deuce Staley and, and Doug Peterson aren't going to press their luck. And after all, Corey Clement had a really good rookie season and he was undrafted a couple of seasons ago. So it'll be interesting to see how that running back room shakes out here over the first few weeks of the season. All right, let's get into the Eagles in Washington preview here, BLG. And uh, let's go over the injury report first. Uh, really, the big name that's going to be, we know is out is Kamu Grugier-Hill. No, no surprise there. He's out for a few games with a knee injury. Uh, we had uh, four players practice uh, in full who we weren't sure about this week. Uh, Fletcher Cox, Bradham, Ronald Darby, and Deshaun Jackson all practiced in full this week. I want to talk first about Fletcher Cox because he didn't play a single snap in the preseason. He's barely practiced at all. What's your level of concern that he's not going to be quite a, quite as effective as usual this week? Does it matter all that much against this Washington team? Well, I also kind of just think, like, what is a 80% Fletcher Cox? What's a 60%? Like, that's probably still a pretty good football player, in my opinion. Sure. I, I can't see him, you know, just being, like, ineffective. Like, this, that's hard to imagine. I think it's a fair concern in terms of, you know, he hasn't really done much at all this summer. It's great to see that he's full in practice this week. You know, that's, I think key and good and he will be suiting up on Sunday I think the Eagles will be rotating their defensive line heavily as they always do but especially in the situation with Cox coming off the long layoff here and the fact that the Eagles have so much depth and talent on the interior defensive line I mean you're talking about 
Malik Jackson being there, Timmy Jernigan having a great summer being there, and Hassan Ridgeway too. So I think the Eagles are deep enough there where they can kind of get by. You know, they're not going to be relying on Fletcher to like play the whole game. I think he can kind of be eased in a little bit. So I feel okay about that. Just in in general, like as a whole, I don't feel amazing about some of these players coming off injury, like Bradham, like Cox. Darby's had some practice, but even kind of you know including him in there. Just the fact that, you know, these guys are coming off injury. And I, and I think back to how with Carson Wentz, like people criticizing, you know, the Eagles not playing him or some of the starters, whatever, uh, on offense in the preseason and them being rusty. Like, I don't buy that so much, especially, and we've talked about that, but just like all the training camp reps uh, they've gotten, like, I think that's fine. But these guys who didn't get so much reps, I think back to like Brandon Graham last year, who didn't really get a ton of action because he was coming off of that ankle uh, right. surgery he had back in May and then he he still admits to this day like that he wasn't 100% last year so so that's the concern like you're wondered you're kind of wondering like okay you know which of these guys are playing but aren't necessarily 100% and how much does that matter I think that's like a legitimate worry it's, it's hard to like pinpoint exactly because again like Cox is just such a good player that even him at like 80% could be still like really good but yeah. Um, that's that's like the concern we'll kind of monitor. Like we'll, we'll kind of yeah. have to gauge where these guys are at. Yeah, I don't like the fact we're starting the season before we've played an official game and with most of these guys not even having played much in the preseason that it seems like the Eagles are so dinged up as they enter week one. You know, it's not a stress-inducing thing, but it's a little bit worrisome. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, you, we noted uh, in our injury report for on BleedingGreenNation.com today, he was limited in practice on Thursday after being a full go on Wednesday with a biceps injury. He apparently told Les Bowen um, that he's that he's going to be fine. But one guy who I think Jim Schwartz is not totally sure is going to be good to go is Derek Barnett. And the Eagles have put a lot of their eggs in the Derek Barnett basket. This is not encouraging that this rookie that they were really relying on to be their defense, their DE2 could miss week one of the season. I know it's just against Washington, but it's just... It's not what you want to see when you're starting off the season, BLG. Yeah, Jim Schwartz's answer when when uh, asked if, if Derek Barnett's playing this week was very not like encouraging to me. I, I want to read it here, the exact quote. I have it. Yeah. The question was, are you concerned at all with Derek Barnett, whether he'll be available and whether he'll be ready? He hasn't practiced much. And then Jim Schwartz answers, yeah, we're concerned with everybody, but we got a long way to go until Sunday. We'll see where everybody is. We have good depth at that position. I think whoever we put out there will be able to get the job done. Like, okay, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a far cry from like, Derek Barnett is definitely going to be playing this week. Now, Schwartz should be cagey. Maybe that was the case, but I don't know. That's not really the vibe I got. I just, I don't know. I don't know if Barnett's going to be out there. And again, he was limited in practice for two days so far, which that doesn't necessarily mean a player won't play, but it, it, it could. It could mean that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I don't love that. Um, I just don't love, and especially if this is like, is this the same shoulder injury? You know, that, that yeah. like he suffered last year. I don't know that for sure. It might not be. It's just weird. I don't love it. Barnett did not practice a lot this offseason. And for, you know, them counting on a player to have such a big year, like I'm getting a little nervous about that one. I want to see these guys get some action in. You know, you, it's not as easy as flipping a switch for most of these guys. You know, when he got hurt last year, he was having a, a solid season, but we were not talking about a guy on, on his way to the Pro Bowl necessarily. He, he still has kind of a lot to prove here. And uh, another guy, Brandon Brooks, isn't certain that he's going to start in week one either. I know there was a lot of conversation that he was getting geared up, he was ramping up, and probably more likely than not that he doesn't start against Washington in week one. Is that your take as well? That's a tough one. Again, he's he's been limited in practice this week, uh, the two days. Um, from what he said, he is not really guaranteeing that he'll play. 
I'll put it this way. If I had to give you a percentage chance of like who starts at right guard mm-hmm. for the Eagles in week one, I think I'm leaning 60% Big V and 40% Brandon Brooks. So, you know, I'm not ruling it okay. out. You know, the fact that he's limited in practice, like it seems like there's a there's some kind of chance he'll play. It doesn't seem like a 0% by any means, but like, I don't know if he's fully there yet. You think about the timetable, you know, he'll meet. He had, you know, he suffered the injury earlier this year in January. You know, it's been about nine months or so later. So maybe, but I, I, I don't feel confident enough to say like it's more likely than not. I, I would guess it's a little less likely than it is likely, which might might not be the worst. I mean, well, obviously you would want him there. You don't want to rush him at the same time, right? And right. Big V looked good at, uh, at um, right guard in the preseason. I thought he played well. Encouraging to see, considering he had never played that position in the NFL before. So. If you need him to get you through one game, I am relatively optimistic he could do that. Um, I mean, they've gotten by with him at tackle, and I think him playing at guard is probably easier for both him and the team to kind of work around there. So it wouldn't be the end of the world, um, but obviously you want Brooks out there preferably. Let's move on to Nigel Bradham because Bradham has been an interesting player. It was during the course of the preseason when you know we weren't sure if Bradham was going to be ready to go for week one. It looks like health-wise... Bradham will be ready to go for Sunday's game against Washington. But the question now is, could could he possibly be suspended for the first game of the season? Jeff McClain uh, reported on Thursday that Bradham skipped the final preseason game without telling the team why. He claims it was a stomach bug. I know he talked to reporters after practice on Thursday. What did he have to say, and, and what do you think? is Are we looking at some possible disciplinary action against uh, Nigel Bradham for, for missing the last preseason game? Yeah, it feels like something kind of doesn't add up here, or something's a little fishy, right? Like, he's just like, yeah, yeah. well... You know, I had walked through and, you know, I went home and then I didn't feel good. And then I didn't tell anyone because I was sick. The Eagles got mad at me and I guess I could have communicated better. My bad. Like, okay. Like, I don't know. It seems like a little like weird to me. Um, yeah. So I don't know what really happened there. I don't think it's a huge issue. I saw like there was some talk about, I think like John Ritchie was saying like they need to suspend him because they didn't send a message to the team or whatever. Like, I think yeah. that's just, I mean, they're already down Kamu Guja Hill. So like, what yeah. are you going to do? Like then... Like, so. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is do we not think Doug Peterson has control of this locker room? Right. Of course he does. And there's no need to send a message at this point. And I think there's just other ways to send a message than, like, sure. suspending him. Like, they can do some things behind the scenes that the team might be more visible to the team, like some kind of, you know, punitive thing. I don't know exactly what it would be, but maybe it's, um you know doing some extra stuff or or like doing some extra sprints or <laughs> I don't know if that's too yeah. high school like but like some you know some kind of thing I, the way I think the Eagles might handle it is they won't let him play the first snap against Washington on Sunday which would be a little bit significant because it wouldn't allow him to like officially log that as a start you know in yeah. his career and maybe that kind of impacts his money and maybe you know they'll give him a fine you know maybe they'll kind mm-hmm. of find him and, and tell the team about it you know and be like hey like this is we find Nigel this much or whatever or maybe it'll leak out in the media, and this is what happens, you know, when you you don't handle things right. So I think there's a way to kind of like punish him, and I think there will be some kind of level of punishment that will take place. But you don't want to punish the team, you know what I mean? So like if you're, if sure. you're spending him uh, to some level, you're 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 screwing over the team now. I think that's not the way to go. Uh, I don't, and I, I don't think, and this is, you know, like I just can't see that. It's a division game. You want to get off to a good start, like. I don't think it's really I don't think the benefit of suspending him and, and sending a message really makes up for potentially like needing him and like losing the game in part because you didn't have him out there. So I don't think this is a huge issue. I think this is kind of just like 
it's a slow week, really. It's really mm-hmm. not that busy or interesting of a week, despite the fact yeah. it's the first week of the season. Like the Washington is not really this extremely interesting opponent, given how it's like over a ten point spread. Uh, spoiler right. alert: We'll get to the picks later on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think it's just kind of a non-issue that's kind of been made into a bigger issue. Well, let's talk about the play on the field here. And with Washington, we are looking at one of the worst teams in football, as far as I can tell. They have a pretty good defense, but they're going to be competing with the Giants and with the Cardinals with uh, to to be among the worst teams in the NFC this year. You know, it's going to be a real neck and neck race with the Giants to see who can finish with fewer victories because this team has no skill position players, BLG. It's really amazing that you can put a roster together like this that has no skill position players. They're going to start Case Keenum, journeyman at quarterback. Dwayne Haskins is going to ride the bench here for the first week of the season. Are you surprised that they're going with Keenum over Haskins or is is this the right move given the fact that Haskins would have absolutely no help out there? Yeah, conceptually, like I get it. You know, you're you're starting the veteran. You don't want to throw Haskins into the fire there. It looks like he might not be quite ready to start right away. Obviously, he had limited college experience, and uh, they don't feel he's ready. Whatever. So I don't know. I guess in general, you know, I always want to see like if if it's the situation where you know I'm I'm like in this position. If I'm if I had Washington's rooting interest, I'd want to see Dwayne Haskins because he's the future. And Case Keenum yeah. is really just a waste of time. And, you know, like, what's the point? Like, we all know he's going to be replaced anyway. And, and I don't really put a lot of stock into, like, a player getting ruined. You know, like, a player, you're throwing a player out there and he just gets... Now, maybe I'm not putting enough weight into that. But personally, I just, I don't think that's a huge thing. I think if the guy is going to be worth a dang anyway, like, then he won't be broken. Like, if he gets broken, that might be a sign that he's not really worth developing. Or, like, that might right. be that in, indicative of, like, greater issues. Like, if you need to coddle him, maybe that's not the best sign. So, whatever. Keenum is... Is he the worst start, starting quarterback in the league, John? Isn't he? Like, he is, right? Like, <laughs> he's he's one of them. He doesn't offer you very much. He's certainly not going to lift the play of the players that are on the field. He's he he. You know, it'll be interesting to see what Darius Geis is able to do yeah. um, at running back. He, he that's one of the few potential playmakers that they have on this team. But when they got it, and Jordan Reed, I was you know I was listening to Eye on the Enemy number one. Uh, one of our um, our new uh, in-season podcasts uh, for BleedingGreenNation.com's podcast feed. And the name of the uh, the Redskins writer for The Athletic that we had is, is escaping me at pulling Mark it up Bullock. Right now. Mark Bullock, yeah. Um, Mark was talking about Jordan Reed and really talking Jordan Reed up and him being healthy and looking like the Jordan Reed of old. That would be one potential playmaker for Case Keenum to, to, to throw the ball to. But, you know, a couple seasons ago with Minnesota, I think Keenum had a good year. He, he wasn't phenomenal but he had a good year and really up until that that fumble uh when when they were trying to drive for the the tying score not long before halftime Keenan was playing relatively well he had the he had the interception that got when his hand got tipped as he was throwing the ball but once the Eagles scored you know however however many points it was uh, when they went from 14 to 7 to 31 to 7 in the blink of an eye he had no chance in that game and hasn't really recovered since that football game so no I don't think Keenum is a very good quarterback he's certainly I don't think Eagles second the Eagles secondary should be sweating it this weekend. You know, I mean, it's it's. I would be a little bit more wary of Case Keenum pulling off an upset than Dwayne Haskins, just because I think Keenum, the experience that Keenum has. Yeah, I think there's there's some like fairness to that. I think if I'm Washington and I'm trying to win this game, knowing that we're huge underdogs on the road, 
I would just come out firing. Like I would just come out and really just be aggressive. Like, I don't think there's any kind of uh, way that Washington wins this game by being like really conservative. Like I guess the thinking would be they can make it a defensive struggle, but man, uh, I don't love that idea personally. I think they need to come out and test the Seagull secondary, which you know, for as much as we think there's reason to be excited and there's potential with Sidney Jones and Ronda Darby and you know Rizzo Douglas and uh, Avante Maddox like you know Darby's coming off injury Sidney Jones was had a good camp overall but he kind of got quiet there for a little bit and obviously he's had injury issues in the past uh, Rizzo Douglas for as good as he's looked this offseason is not immune to getting burned and Maddox you know he had some issues with Allen Robinson in the playoffs that we saw last year you know I would I would test him and now I don't think that'll end up well for Washington overall because I think who's protecting Case Keenum? It's it's Donald yeah. Penn who the team brought in late in the the process this offseason. No after, Trent Williams after really realizing yes that Trent Williams will not be playing for them at least week one. Maybe he comes back. There's been some talk about that, but he's not going to come back this week. And then it's Eric Flowers at left guard and. It's kind of just like, you know, when you're getting into this matchup, like, do we really need to overcomplicate it? Again, like when you have one of the worst quarter starting quarterbacks in the league starting for you, just that alone is like, okay, you're not in a great spot. And then you look at the lack of talent around him on the offensive line, at receiver, guys, you know, I like, you know, I think we all liked him really here at BGN kind of coming out and, and think he has nice potential, but you know, he's coming off an ACL injury. Like we don't know exactly where he's at and, and the kind of player he's going to be this year. And again, even if he is great, okay, like so good, like you have a good running back. Now <laughs> everything else is still not very good. So I don't know. I just, I think Jay Gruden is like good enough to kind of get something out of these guys. Cause I think he's a good enough head coach to where it's not a total disaster, but the talent level, like I just, I do not see this, Washington offense like being able to keep pace with what the Eagles should be able to do on offense people here in the DC area where I live hate this team they really hate this team they hate the whole franchise they hate the way this team is put together they hate the fact that the the Washington front office is not embracing a full rebuild because they're really not embracing a full rebuild here despite not having any any star players at the skill positions they're they're they why why not trade Trent Williams at this point you know when you see what the Dolphins got, you know, it's trade him, see what you can get, get get as much as you can. Trent Williams has to have some value. I don't understand why they haven't done that. And most Washington fans here don't understand why they haven't gone that route yet. But one thing Washington does have is a, a pretty good defense. And I'm not as concerned about the Eagles defense against the Washington offense. I would like to see the Eagles defense get some turnovers in this football game. They should be able to do that with Keenum, especially if they take the philosophy that you just suggested, BLG, which is to attack. They should be able to get some turnovers, something they didn't do very much of last year until late in the season. The part of this game that, that frightens me a little bit is how quick are the is the Eagles' offense, how quick of a start are they going to get off to? Because we did not see Carson Wentz in any preseason games. In fact, most of these guys did not play in the preseason for more than a few series here and there. How do you think the Eagles' offense is going to come out here? Is there going to be some some ricketiness to this offense? Is it going to be a little bit of a sputtering start for Carson Wentz with his having not played since, what was it, week 14 last year? Obviously, though, as I've said many times, got a lot of reps. Like a lot of, a lot of work in training camp and obviously counting the, um, the Ravens joint practices in there as a somewhat quasi scrimmage. I think I feel good about where Carson is at and what I've seen out of him this summer. Uh, and the offense as a whole, like I just, 
the talent is there, man. Like the the talent, I, I know they have to execute, but like I just I, I have a hard time like looking at this team on paper and and feeling like even if they're not like this well-oiled machine, as Doug Peterson kind of used the line this week, like I just think there's so many pieces there that they can figure something out. Because just look at Deshaun alone. Like, okay, maybe yeah. your offense is like, you know, it's like you just can't get like a consistent drive going. Who cares? Freaking chuck it deep to Deshaun, 75-yard touchdown, first play of the game. We're, we're all expecting it. We're all needing it. We're all wanting it. <laughs> <laughs> um, like that could make up for some of that sometimes. Uh, I just think they have too much going for them. And I, I believe in Doug, man. Like I know there were some issues on offense last year, but I think, you know, they really focused on fixing really those lack of, of fast starts that really plagued this team in 2018. And, and really yep. everyone's been asking about that this week and, and rightfully so. And, um, you know, it was a concern for this team, but I think, you know, they did their, Harry Roseman did his part in, in terms of getting talent. And now I think Doug has shown enough in the past where we can have a reasonable amount of confidence at the very least in him kind of being able to to get this thing going. Maybe it's, you know, not a 40-point game right at the start, but, like, I, I don't think you need that. I think you just need to, you know, be, like, 28. I think 28 can win you this game. So can they get to that? I, I feel like they can. Washington's defense has some nice pieces on it. You know, you look at Ryan Kerrigan. He's an Eagles killer. Landon Collins is talented. I don't love him. Uh, he's not my kind of favorite player, but I mean, you look across, and Josh Norman, I think, has actually done a pretty good job on Alshon Jeffrey, and the Eagles expect uh, him to shadow Alshon, who is apparently dealing with some kind of biceps injury, as you mentioned earlier. They have pieces here. I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, the Eagles are just going to instantly rout them. Uh, but at the same time, as Kisten Solak had mentioned, Washington has tried to fire their defensive coordinator. <laughs> like all is not like perfect on that side of the ball. This is not like a you know like a top five, top ten defense in the league. They might have some nice pieces, but this is not like this perfect unit. So I just think that again, when kind of like I said on the the offensive side of the ball, when you're looking at like the Washington offense and you're just like wondering how that keeps pace with the Eagles, I just look at this Eagles offensive talent. And I look at this Washington, like their, their defensive talent. And I just like, I don't think they're going to be stifling the Eagles offense all day. I just don't think they're, they have that in them. Well, later on in the show, we will give you our picks for this game with the spread. And uh, we'll also give you uh, what we feel is going to be the Eagles final record and their ultimate end of season finish. Actually, we'll probably get that part of this, uh, this podcast done next. When we give you our, we'll go around the league and give you our predictions for all the division winners, wild cards, and our Super Bowl participants. We'll do that next right here on BGN Radio. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we're back on BGN Radio with uh, BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton, John Stolnes here with you as we are going through our NFL picks for the 2019 season. And BLG, uh, this is always fun because, you know, what do we know? We're probably going to be wrong on so many of these, but uh, it's uh, fun to go around the league and pick the division winners and uh, the wild cards. We'll give you our Super Bowl predictions. So uh, why don't we start in the NFC East? And, you know, in the rest of the divisions, I don't think we need to go through all of the teams and give and give the order in which we think they'll finish. But I want to do that in the NFC East. I think we're probably going to agree on at least uh, the first two in the NFC East. Why don't you give me your NFC East rundown first and then I'll give you mine? 
So you don't want to do like a two-hour podcast like Birds of the Friends did for this. <laughs> I, I got the, I, you know what? It's funny. I downloaded that on my phone. An hour and forty-eight minutes. Oh yeah. man! Oh man! So yeah, no, I think uh, I let's we'll try and keep it in uh, less than three hours today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so if we're starting with the NFC East here and going through, I think the Eagles are clearly the best team in this division. Now I say clearly. I mean Dallas, I think, is in the same conversation. But again, like you're not going as far as Kevin Harlan did on the, in no, the with the interview oh that gosh. I said, where he, Kevin, he said they were going to be like the '90s all over again. Uh, big fan of you, like of your you know vocal talent and everything. But man, I'm not a fan of your uh, your takes. At least when it comes to the Cowboys <laughs> here, I think people are kind of overrating this Cowboys team in some ways. Like again, I've talked about it before, where they they were not that great in terms of like DVOA and point differential last year. Like their their record was better than some of those other more I think telling metrics uh, showed us. So they're not going to you know step back into like this six and ten team. That's not what I'm saying, but I think they're closer to like an eight and eight team than they are like a twelve and fourteen. I think they're mm-hmm. a little bit closer to being average, especially like come on, like Jason Garrett. Like we're just suddenly like expecting him to be amazing again, <laughs> yeah, like as the Cowboys clearly aren't because they're he's in a contract year and they've shown no eagerness to extend him. Um, anyway, so I think the Eagles are your NFC's champion. They will continue the trend of there not being a repeat winner in the East since 2004, a long time now. You know, 15 years. Think about that. They're going to be the number one team in the NFC East. They have the best quarterback in the NFC East. It's not close to me, especially when you're talking about players at their very best. Carson Wentz is very much better than Dak Prescott at his very best than Dak Prescott is at his very best. So I think the Eagles are the top team. I think you're looking at Dallas second. I think you're looking at um, this. This is where it gets a little tough, I guess. Um, I guess I'm going with the Giants three just because I feel like, I don't know, like what if Daniel Jones comes in at some point and they kind of go not on like a serious playoff run, but like they get, you know, he was looking good the preseason. What if they they kind of like figure it out a little bit? And uh, I don't know. I think Pat Sherman, Pat Shermer can get you to uh, seven and nine. I, I have complete confidence he can get you there. Uh, whereas Washington, again, I like some of the pieces on their roster, but just given the quarterback situation there, um, you know, Keenum's going to be starting for I'm guessing at least a couple games, assuming he stays healthy. And then when they do go to Haskins, like I don't think he's going to come in and light the world on fire. I think he's an experience. I think it's going to take him time. I think there's going to be growing pains there. So. I guess I'm putting the Giants third and then Washington fourth. What about you, John? Yeah, I'm going to take uh, the Eagles, obviously, to win the division. I think you're right. I think they are better than the Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott doesn't have quite the success that he had last year. Really, the Cowboys had the Eagles number last year, and I think that's I think that's going to reverse itself. I think the Eagles have a superior team, and uh, I like them to win the division. I do like uh, I do like the Cowboys to come in second. I think they are a playoff team, as I'll mention here in just a minute. I got the Giants coming in third and uh, Washington in fourth. I'm looking at Washington's opening schedule. They get the the Eagles on the road, then they host the Cowboys, then they host the Bears. Uh, they go to the Giants, and then they have to play uh, the Patriots in the first uh, five weeks of the season. They could very easily start off the season one and four at that point, and so. The Giants, on the other hand, have an easier schedule. I'm trying to pull it up here, especially early on. You know, you get to a point where you got to get off to somewhat of a decent start if you want to have a chance to make something of yourself. And they, no, sorry, the Giants are at the Cowboys. Then they host the Bills. They're at the Buccaneers. They host the Redskins, and then they get the Vikings and the Patriots. So after that, it gets a little tougher. But I like the I like the Giants to get off to a little bit of a faster start, especially if they can steal an early win against the Cowboys here in the opening week of the season, which is not out of the realm of possibility. So Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, 
Washington. All right, let's move um, to the uh, NFC North. Who is your division winner in the NFC North, BLG? Yeah, so we're just going to run through the the winners. Yeah, why don't we point, just right? why don't you just run through all the NFC all okay. the NFC playoff teams here? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so we'll we'll go to the North. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers here, who are playing tonight. We're recording this before they're playing on Thursday before Thursday night football against the Bears. So. God forbid Aaron Rodgers get hurt again and then really blow up my prediction here. But uh, <laughs> I like the Packers, man. I know there's like some questions about the coaching staff of Matt LaFer there. But like I am betting on the quarterback. I'm not taking the Bears. No way. I think they're, yeah. they are so I saw poised. a lot of that. They're, mm-hmm. they're so poised to regress this year. I mean, Trubisky is not even that good. The defense is going to take a step back, losing Vic Fangio, and then this defense not being sticky year to year. And then, like, I'm not taking the Lions, you know, with Matt Patricia, really. I guess the so it's really, I think it comes down to do you want the, the Packers or, or do you see the Packers or the Vikings taking this? And I, again, Cousins is enough, like, he's uh, competent enough. Let me be careful here about my words. Uh, <laughs> I think he can, like, I think he can put you in a position to win that division and then have to do nothing in the playoffs, of course, when it counts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm taking the Packers. I am, I will bet on Aaron Rodgers until like he retires. Like even like, I know he hasn't been like amazing and the Packers haven't been amazing and that roster around him is not great, but just give me Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, I, I look at all the quarterbacks in that division and that's what sealed it for me. And that's why I'm going Packers over, uh, over cousins in Minnesota and uh, Matthew Stafford with Detroit and, um, and with Trubisky, especially in Chicago, I, I just when I when it's kind of even in a lot of other areas, I, I tend to look at the quarterback, and I think Aaron Rodgers is due. He's been hurt a lot the last few years, and the team has underperformed a lot the last few years. And I think getting McCarthy out of there is going to be huge for him. I think he's going to have a huge chip on his shoulder this year as well. Um, so I have the Packers as the four seed, but I have them winning the division also. Um, in the NFC South, BLG, I have the Saints as the two seed. I have them winning that division. That NFC South is going to be really competitive because you could make an argument for really any of the three top teams in that division winning it. I think you could make an argument for the Falcons and I think you could make an argument even for the Panthers. If Cam Newton is is fully healthy and he has a Cam Newton season, Panthers can easily win 11 games, 12 games or something like that. But I think I think the Saints what I saw last year, I think that's going to be a hungry and motivated team and I think they're going to I think the only reason why I think they might finish with a worse record than the Eagles, who I have as the top seed in the conference, is because their division is so much tougher. I think they're going to have some really rough games that they're going to have to battle through. Yeah, it's a tough division for sure. Uh, I think even the Bucks, who I don't think are going to be really good, because I'm not a big Jameis guy, but I, Bruce Arians finds a way to get stuff out of teams. Like his teams yep. don't underachieve. Usually they kind of more overachieve. Even if he has a bad roster, he can like somehow get them to like six, seven wins as opposed to like, you know, two or three. Uh, with that said though, I think the Saints clearly have the best coach and quarterback in the division. You know, assuming Drew Brees, you know, is getting older, uh, just does not fall off a cliff randomly, unexpectedly, then I think it's pretty clear that the Saints will be tough once again and, and are, are really in strong position to be the number one seed overall in the NFC. And uh, how about the NFC West BLG? Who do you have winning that division? Oh, give me the Seahawks, baby. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. I love it. Well, I know you do because you've been uh, on the Rams regression <laughs> thing for a while. And uh, I'm kind of there with you. Now, I don't love putting like a ton of faith into the Seahawks because I, I just think back to the, the Cowboys loss in the playoffs last year. And how they pretty much just like took themselves out of that game by refusing to pass the ball in the modern era. Where That's so crazy. It was insane. Literally, like every passing play would work like to perfection and it would be great. And then they would just insist on like running the ball in like in into a, a pile 
of defensive linemen for two yards every play. It was just insane. So so that kind of worries me. I guess what I'm looking at here is that I kind of, you know, I believe in, in Pete Carroll as a defensive mind to some extent, and they just got clowny, so that, that doesn't hurt. And uh, the other part of it is Russell Wilson. Like He is one of my most favorite quarterbacks oh. in the NFL. He yeah. has been for a long time. The fact that the Eagles play him and he looks like invincible probably influences that to some extent. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah I, so I just feel like basically what my picks come down to in a lot of these divisions is like who has the best quarterback. I mean, I, I try not sure. to overcomplicate it. And I think to me, Russell Wilson is definitely better than, than Jared Goff. I have Russell Wilson as my NFL MVP this year. I think he's going to have a phenomenal season. Even though, like you said, they run the ball a lot. Russell Wilson, I think is... One was one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league, and he's gonna he's gonna have a big season. I think he's gonna lead them to the division title. Um, and uh, as far as my wild cards, uh, that's the only team from the NFC West I have going. I do not have the Rams in there. Uh, I have the Falcons as the five seed, and I have the Cowboys sneaking in as the six seed. There's my two wild cards: the Falcons and the Cowboys. I do not have the Vikings, and I do not have the Rams as part of this NFC playoff picture. It was a tough call because. I can see a situation, I can see a scenario where the Vikings win the division. I can see a scenario where the Rams win their division, but I can also see scenarios where they are done in by their quarterbacks. And like you said, I've been railing about the fact that NFL teams that lose the Super Bowl, who are not named the New England Patriots, typically tend to have a bad season the following year. Maybe it's 9-7, and seven, the year the, the, Fal- the Eagles beat the Falcons in the divisional round when the Eagles were going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons were coming off a Super Bowl loss. That's rare. Most of those teams don't come back and make the postseason the next year. So uh, I think the Rams are going to fall a little bit short. I'm not. I'm still not sold on Goff either. So I think Goff takes a step back this year. The Rams don't make it. I have the Falcons and the Cowboys as my two wild card teams. Who are you? Who are your two wild card teams, BLG? Yeah. So I have the Falcons five, and then I have the Vikings six. Um, man, really going against my. Her cousin's brand here, I guess. By having them in. Uh, I've turned you around on him, I guess. But I'm well. <laughs> let's not go too no, far. I know. But I know. Um, I'm very keeping very consistent in my anti McVeigh brand, and I'm not really like I don't hate Jared Goff, but like I don't really think he's you know that great. I guess I'm 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 staying true to myself with these picks. That's all we need. Stay true to yourself. Absolutely. So let's move over to the AFC real quick, and we'll knock these out. BLG uh, in the AFC East. Do we both agree it's the Patriots? And like we don't even need to really talk about it. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'll say is like they have the the easiest schedule in the league this year by like a lot of different metrics, and like <laughs> yeah, so it just doesn't even feel fair. Like it, yeah. they play in a division where all three teams are tanking. It's crazy. They're gonna like just. They're going to get a top two seed at the very least. Like, just lock yeah. that in. Lock it in. Uh, AFC North champions. Uh, I have the Steelers winning the AFC North, and I have them as the four seed BLG. I like the Steelers. I think I think Ben Roethlisberger is uh, going to have a better season this year. He's very up and down. Obviously, those home road splits are well chronicled at this point. It'll be interesting to see how they respond without Antonio Brown on the roster. I think they're going to play a little better without the headache, without the distraction of Antonio Brown being around and without Le'Veon Bell being around and causing all these different distractions. They've got a capable uh, running back to, to replace Le'Veon Bell back there and Ju- Juju Schuster, I'm oh, not Smith quality Smith Schuster. Okay. I'm, I'm dyslexic. They have JJ Smith Schuster and <laughs> you know, he, he's a good, he's a good number one, man. I think, I think that's a team that's going to bounce back and and win the North. I know a lot of people are picking the Browns. I am not on the Cleveland train yet. BLG. Neither am I definitely at least for, I, I, I think they definitely do not, win the north maybe they get a wild card maybe 
but I don't think they're they're winning the North. Uh, I actually have the Ravens winning the North. Um, I guess again. Oh, really? Yeah, I think their defense is really good. With Lamar Jackson at quarterback, really? Yeah, I mean, I think they they can make it work. Like, they, I think they can make it work with him. I, now, I do think this is going to be close. Like, I, I don't think the Steelers are that far behind them. You can kind of like flip these. I don't really feel okay. Like that's, that, I can see that. I don't know. There's something about the Steelers. I guess the way they finished last season, and maybe they'll bounce back this year. I just I, I didn't love it there. You know, Big Ben's getting older. I'm not really married to the rally. I'm not like lock it in. The Ravens are in there, but I don't know. I just, I feel a little bit good about them. And maybe that's like a little bit, it's colored a little bit, seeing them up close in practice. Mm-hmm. Like that defense looks, it's just, there's a lot of talent on it. They have Earl Thomas now. Like it's, it's really good. Yeah. If not the division winner, I think the Ravens are going to be a quality team. And just the way they finished the season last year, like playoff game aside, they were like the hottest team in the league going into the playoffs. Yeah. So I think they, they, they might be able to pick up on that a little bit. That's true. That's true. I don't have the Ravens as a playoff team. I just uh, I'm not a Lamar Jackson believer just yet, but uh, maybe they'll prove me wrong this year. Uh, AFC South BLG. I do have Nick Foles and the Jaguars winning that division. I thought it was probably going to be the Colts until Andrew Andrew Luck stepped away, but with Luck now out of the picture, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to be good for them. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think the Colts aren't going to be a terrible football team now that Andrew Luck's out of there. But I think. You worry about the balloon just completely deflating from you know that team and with luck gone and um, and you know if if Nick Foles is healthy and he gets some protection he's got some talent there he's got a he's got a defense that's going to give him turnovers and give him short field position and give him lots of opportunities to score so I like the Jaguars as the three seed uh, to win the AFC South BLG I think eight and eight could win the AFC South I think this is a good division yeah um, I think it's now, it's bad, but I don't think any of the teams are, like, four-win bad. I think they're all kind of, like, like six to eight-win <laughs> kind of teams. Like, <laughs> I think the Titans, like, are, can kind of, like, be a little bit competitive in that division. I think the Texans – I have the Texans winning, unfortunately, which I, I don't feel great mm-hmm. about because their situation, the way they've, you know, they handled the trade. They late, fouled it all up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like that's, like, an organization you love betting on. But I think they do have some short-term stuff going for them. You know, Tunsil helps them. Uh, getting Kenny Stills, I think, helps them. And Deshaun Watson, we saw it last year when he came and played the Eagles. Like, he can be really good. Um, and now he's another year removed from that ACL injury himself, you know, as much as we talk about that with Carson Wentz. Yeah. Same thing applies for Deshaun Watson. So, uh, yeah, I think he's – I think – I don't love it, again, and they're my four seed, to be clear here, and the AFC. So, I, I don't think they're going to be a strong division winner. And I, I just – Texans, to me, were like regression team written all over them because of all the those close games they won last year. And they were like winning on like missed field goals at the last second. And they were like playing a bunch of backup quarterbacks for a while there or like rookie quarterbacks and, and like bad quarterbacks. So I don't love it. I'm really almost talking myself out of it, but it's just hard <laughs> for me to like find another team that I would rather pick here. I don't, I don't think the Jags, you know, like with Nick Foles, like that supporting cast is just not, I just don't see it. I don't see it working for him. We know Nick is streaky. We know Nick needs like a good system in place to support him. And I just don't think he has that there. He has flip. Sure. But I don't think he has like the skill players around him to really exceed there, or, or I should say, excel there. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so I just I don't see it. I think the Texans regrettably somehow win this division, and maybe even at seven nine, maybe it's a losing Oof. record. Oof. See, I have two teams gone to the playoffs from the South. I have the Jaguars winning the division. I think they could be an 11-win team. And I have the Texans as one of the wild cards. We'll talk about that in a second. As far as the AFC West goes, uh, I have Kansas City um, as the two-seed. Winning the AFC West, uh, do you do you see anybody else there that could win that division? Or are you taking Andy Reid's uh, team as well? Yeah, I think it's pretty safely the Chiefs. Honestly, the Chargers. It's just it's never their year. <laughs> is this <laughs> their year? Is it's always like is this their year? But it never is. It is never their year. 
They've had some injury issues, as they always do. Their offensive line, I think, is looking a little shaky. So, yeah, I just, again, nice some nice pieces on that roster. I have them as my sixth seed, spoiler alert here. So I have them making the playoffs, but I don't know. I don't think they win the division. I think the Chiefs are too stacked. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is so good. Even if he regresses this year, like he can still have a, like a really good year. And I just trust Andy. You know, for as much as he hasn't been able to get it done in the playoffs, hell of a regular season coach still. Uh, yep. You can count yep. on that much. And your two wild cards in the AFC, BLG? Yeah, so I have the Steelers at five and then the Chargers at six. Um, okay. There's I, a, lot of, a lot of influx there. I don't, I don't feel like locked yeah. into that. Yeah, I don't feel great about my AFC picks either here because it, it does feel like it could go a million different directions. But I have the Chargers as the five seed and the Texans as the six seed. So uh, in the Super Bowl, BLG, what is your Super Bowl matchup? Uh, I love this. I think the Super Bowl is 150 days away from today. Uh, and 150 days, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Shocker. Mm. I mean, <laughs> picking the Eagles <laughs> in the Super Bowl to beat the Chiefs. We, we're uh-huh. going to see oh my the Andy Reid ball. Yeah, it's going to be Andy <laughs> Reid, Doug Peterson, the mentor versus the mentee. Uh, a little bit of a revenge game for the Eagles for that 2017 mm-hmm. loss. One of the only really two games they lost that year that actually mattered. It'll be a nice little matchup there. I want a rematch of Super Bowl 52. This is maybe just wishful thinking. I'm going to take Eagles over Patriots again. I want history to repeat itself. I think it would be probably more fun to see them play Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Something tells me I think the Eagles will beat the Patriots twice this year. Uh, yeah. That's two out of three in the Super Bowl, right? That's right. We need to, we, we need the rubber match. I think the Eagles take the rubber match in Super Bowl 54 over New England. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to give you some picks for week one. And, um, you know, I guess we already gave you our Eagles prediction for this year, but we'll just uh, share a couple more thoughts about the upcoming bird season up next here on BGN Radio. All right, BLG, before we wrap up the week one preview edition of the podcast here, let's give you some, uh, let's give the kids some picks for week one here. And uh, we'll start off some very good week one games. I think that the, the league sets it up. So we've got a lot of potential postseason matchups here on week one. The first one we want to talk about is Atlanta at Minnesota. The Vikings favored by four at home over the Falcons. Who do you like in this one, BLG? Yeah, so interestingly to me, I feel like a lot of writers in the BGN uh, weekly pick them series we have at bleedinggreennation.com which you should check out which you can actually vote in um, yourself and make your own picks as part of the collective community uh, cheap little plug there is that uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people are taking the Falcons which is kind of crazy to me again I-, I hate to be the Cousins guy suddenly apparently apparently he's my guy now which I do not like but you know Minnesota's at home now this is where I'll, I'll turn on myself right here straight up I like the Vikings now with that minus four I feel like this is like one of those games where you're like okay I'll take the Vikings minus four, and then they win by three. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the Falcons like are going to keep this within three. I think it'll be a close game. So I am taking the points, but like just by a hair. Yeah, I'm taking the Falcons to win outright. So obviously I like the underdog here on the road. And I think underdogs early in the season are are generally a good bet because teams have yet to really establish themselves. And I think the Falcons are going to be pretty darn good this year. I, I really like where the Falcons are. I think they're going to bounce back, and they're going to be one of the better teams in the NFC. That's a that's a Super Bowl contender as far as I'm concerned. I, I just believe in I believe in Matt Ryan a little bit more than I believe in Kirk Cousins, even though it is in Minnesota. Uh-huh. I'm going to take I'm going to take the Falcons. You know, you've turned me around. <laughs> it's I blame you. Let's talk about Kansas City at Jacksonville. Kansas City favored by three and a half games as the road favorite. Who do you like in this one? Um. Hmm. Who do I like in this one? Um, I think it's the Chiefs. <laughs> I do too. I think it's the Chiefs I do easily. Too. Um, I, yeah. I, yeah. With all due respect to 
Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, I do not see uh, him keeping pace with that Chiefs offense. No, I agree. It's a high power. And, and Jacksonville's defense is for real. If there's any defense that can keep Patrick Mahomes under wraps and maybe get a few turnovers here and there because Mahomes was so good not turning over the ball last year. He's going to have a little bit of a regression this year. He's not going to throw for 50 touchdowns again. He's probably going to turn it over a little bit more than he did last year. And if there's any team that can do that, it is the Jaguars. But week one, I think Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, will be more than ready for the Jaguars. Andy Reid, when you give him a lot of time to prepare against a team, usually comes out on the on the good side of things. So I'll take Kansas City as well here. Uh, Dallas is a 10-point favorite at home against the New York Giants. I think we both picked the Cowboys to win this football game. Do they cover the spread? Yeah, sure. Um, I do too. I, 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 so too. I feel like like these teams usually always play. Like It's always like week one or week two. It feels like every single year. And uh, it just feels like every Giants-Cowboys game for a while now, just like the Cowboys win pretty easily. Um, it might be ugly, uh, but I don't know. How, how do you have faith in Eli Manning at this point? Like, what? Why? Why are you taking the Giants? Like, what is the reasoning behind that? I, I just, yeah. I don't see it. I think the Cowboys win this for sure. Like, I, I think it's a lock. They win this game, and uh, so it's really just a matter of do they cover? And yeah, I say they will. Yeah, the Giants are terrible. And as much as I like Saquon Barkley, and as you know, as much as I like Evan Ingram, they're they're not going to be able to keep up with the Cowboys in this one. So I like the Cowboys also to cover that ten point spread. And then the final game we're going to talk about before we get to the Eagles game is Pittsburgh at New England. Obviously, I think this is the marquee matchup of the week here. Uh, New England is, uh, at last check, a six-point favorite at home against Pittsburgh. That, to me, BLG, feels like a rather big line. I like the Patriots to win this game, but I think I like Pittsburgh to stay within the number and keep it close. What do you, what do you think? It is big, now that you say that. like That is a little suspicious there, but, man, the Patriots are so good at home in general, and for years now, they've really had like the Steelers number, uh, and I am not going to bet against that. Um, I, I think the Patriots win this. I think they start out one and zero. I just I don't know again why I feel so good about the Steelers playing well in New England when usually they just they do not play super well against. I mean, it's not like they get blown out by the Patriots every time, but it just feels like right. like the Patriots always find a way to to win and beat them. So. I will take the Patriots there. All right, wrapping things up here, BLG. The Eagles are 10-point road favorite. No, pardon me, 10-point home favorites against Washington. This game is at Lincoln Financial Field. I don't know why I wrote it down on my sheet here as Eagles at Washington. Obviously, the Eagles are the home team. Uh, getting 10 points, I mean, uh, giving 10 points to Washington. You know, I love the Eagles to win this game, BLG, but I think this is going to be a close game, at least for most of the game. If it ends up being a 10-point game or more, I think it happens late. I think the Eagles' offense gets off to a little bit of a slow start, and I think I think Washington keeps it close. You know, there might be a couple of turnovers here and there, that uh, a couple missed field goals from from Elliott or whatnot. I just this feels like a game that's not going to be an Eagles blowout to me. So I, I I feel like this is something like a 24 to 17 or a 24 to a 24 to 20 victory, something like that, where maybe the Eagles have like a 24 to 12 lead until late and the Washington scores something late, but it just doesn't feel like a, it doesn't feel like a blowout victory for me. So I like the Eagles to win. I think it's going to be a little closer than 10 points. What do you think? Yeah. So earlier in the week, this was at like nine and a half. And to me, that's pretty, like, it seems pretty, um, I have a good amount of confidence in this being a double digit point win for the Eagles. And thus at nine and a half, I'm definitely taking the Eagles in that situation. Now, you're telling me 10. I still think I feel good about it. And I, I feel good enough. My score prediction for this game 
is that the Eagles win 28 to 17. So I just have them really covering there just by 11 points. Um, so I think they just do it. I think, again, just what they have in offense and even all the questions surrounding them, like, I think we might be psyching ourselves out a little bit in the sense of like, you know, we're, we're and, and something natural, you know, because you're worried about the hype. You're worried about, are we over, like, are we um, not giving, are this, you taking them lightly? Yeah, are, you know, are, that's, are you, the, that's my main concern. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair. I think that's, I, I get it. I get where that comes from, but I think we might be overcomplicating it. I think I, I get, if you want to boil it back down to like what it essentially is, is that this is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL going up against the Eagles. And I just don't know why, I would like feel good about Washington. Like, why would I have confidence in them covering in this game? I think the Eagles have done well, you know, against Washington in these past couple of seasons here after kind of Washington having their number for a while. And I think that the, the tide has turned. I think the Eagles offense is going to be able to outscore and outpace what Washington is going to be able to do. So maybe it's close for a little bit, but I think ultimately the Eagles break away. And again, they win 28-17, start the season 1-0, with a nice little division win there. I love that. I love starting the season with a division win. Like, it's, it's great. Um, yeah. Like, cause you play an AFC team week one. Okay, you want to know, but you don't have any division or conference wins yet. So, like, who cares? Um, so, I like I love to start the season with a division win, and I think the Eagles will do just that on Sunday. It'd be a good way to start the season here, BLG. And a good way to start the season is to subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Check out bleedinggreennation.com. All of the great stuff we have going up there. BLG, any final words uh, for your listeners here tonight? Win. Beautiful. Love it. Man, a few words. BLG, <laughs> telling your birds to win this dadgum football game, which I think uh, they will easily do here on Sunday afternoon at Lincoln Financial Field. And that'll do it for episode number 79 of BGN Radio, your Eagles Washington preview. Again, you can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on BGN Radio. BGN.